Hello, hello, and welcome to the Awesome in Seattle podcast, quarantine edition. We are uh, all in separate locations. The audio quality probably won't be as good as normal, but we're doing our best, as I'm sure you're used to at this point in time. Um, So today we are talking all about virtual buying and how to do it. Uh, virtual buying in terms of houses, uh, how to do it, and uh, and really how to do it safely. So that's what today's episode is all about. My name is Christian Awesome with the Awesome Awesome Group here in Seattle, and I am joined by three amazing real estate agents on the Awesome Awesome Group. We have Charlotte Reynolds, hello, Sarah Kate <laughs> Davis. <laughs> Also, hello. <laughs> and then, as always, Jason Saldariaga. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, we are four real estate agents here in the Seattle area. Uh, we all work for the Awesome and Awesome Group at Wilson Realty Exchange. And we love to explain how to do things. And that's uh, our whole spiel is educating home buyers and sellers in the real estate land. So um, hope everyone is well and staying home and uh, washing their hands and not touching their face and, you know, all the normal stuff. Um, let's talk about buying. Let's talk about how we're doing it, how it's actually working, if people are actually doing it right now. Uh, Charlotte, you want to talk a little about this? Yeah, so it's definitely still possible to buy and sell a house right now, um, which is good. When Governor Inslee first did the stay-at-home order, we were not classified as an essential business. And then about a week later, um, he modified that to where real estate is now considered essential. Um, So that's good for you guys as buyers and sellers. It's good for us because it means we still have jobs. So that's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's a lot that goes into either buying or selling and, you know, starting out with consultations on how to make a plan. So that's obviously easy to do now uh, virtually, you know, there's FaceTime, we have Zoom, Google Hangouts and all that stuff. Um, So that makes it really easy. And, you know, a lot of mortgage brokers uh, do everything, you know, in terms of applications online anyways. So on the banking side of things, not much really has changed in terms of how you're going to do the the application. So that's kind of seamless for you. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the biggest thing that, that people are kind of concerned about is how do we show houses in person? You know, while we're considered essential, there still are restrictions on showing homes and, you know, um, <laughs> complying with that, you know, staying six feet apart and social distancing. A lot of homes are supplying, you know, Clorox wipes, hand sanitizers and even some of the listings are requiring uh you know tours to be equipped with masks and gloves and things like that so i know that i've been showing homes and sarah kate has as well so sarah kate i would love to get your input on what you've experienced i've experienced very similar things to you just listing agents really trying to protect their listing and protect everyone that's coming in and out of the property providing gloves providing hand wash, paper towels, you know, sanitizing Clorox wipes, Mm -hmm. uh, and just kind of having really strict showing instructions. I've also seen uh, with some Windermere agents, they have a new form that they're having people fill out before we tour that basically just says you haven't been experiencing any flu-like symptoms and kind of just signing your name and 
having that kind of protection and assurance that no one ill is entering their listings. So, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too, that we've been trying to do is kind of minimize the amount of properties that we're taking clients to. And we're doing that by, you know, having them do neighborhood drive-bys to make sure that like they like the neighborhood before, you know, going in to see the home or making sure to review uh, seller procured pre-inspections, you know, if it's available to make sure there's nothing wrong with the house before we go and see it. So we're truly, really trying to minimize the number of houses that we're taking people into, Yeah, you know, that they might not be super serious about moving forward with. We had a little team meeting this morning and Christian was saying a really good way to kind of gauge interest as well is looking at showing time, which we now have to use to schedule all of our showings. And it's an appointment system and you can gauge the interest on the house by how booked up the showing times are. So mm-hmm. that's another good way to kind of curb expectation a little bit. Like if someone's not quite ready to get into a bidding war and that kind of scares them or, you know, they were like kind of so-so on the property and that kind of steers them away a bit or, you know, there's lots of, lots of reasons to kind of check that out to gauge interest. So, yep. Uh, some of the rules too that Inslee, Governor Inslee put into place, uh, one of the big ones that's affecting home tours is there are only two people allowed in the house at a time. And one of those two people has to be us. One of them has to be the real estate agent, real estate broker. Uh, so if you're a couple looking or a family looking, um, only one person can be in the house with us at a time. We have to stay six feet apart. Um, and you know, all the normal social distancing rules apply. So that's, uh, that's really the biggest restriction that's kind of hindering us, but not really hindering. It's not that big a deal. You just each look at it one at a time. The other person stands in the front yard and waits to enter the house. Um, where that is a little different than normal is for the home inspection, So since only two people can be in there and one of them has to be us, uh, the other person would be the home inspector. So that means that buyers are not allowed to walk around and ask questions uh, when the home inspector is in there because an agent has to be present the entire time. So what we're having our clients do is just come at the end of the inspection and chat things over with the inspector in the front yard, standing at least six feet apart um, and and really getting their questions answered that way. And if they have questions about something specific in the house, or if the inspector saw something, they can just walk in with us, go look at it. Um, if we need to, we can be on the phone with the inspector so they can, or even FaceTime or whatever with the inspector so they can show us exactly what they found. Uh, so we can still get it done. Um, it's just, there's some more restrictions in place. So the thing that we've been saying all around, be flexible, be nimble. Things are changing. Um, we just got to stay flexible. It's uh, it's an interesting time to all be alive. So hopefully everyone is staying safe. Um, what are you guys seeing in the actual market? Like uh, from, from offer standpoint and stuff like that and listings on the market, do we have any sort of data to judge? Like, is the bubble, is there a bubble and is it bursting? Is this going to be like a horrible recession or anything like that? It's going to affect housing. Yeah, so we're, we are recording this in mid-April right now, and <clears throat> unfortunately, our data is 
from the MLS generally like a month behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we don't have much data that really uh, covers the time period since the pandemic in the U.S. really broke out. Um, we should have more information in uh, May to really look at. That said, we can definitely speak anecdotally on what we're seeing and yeah. with clients and that sort of thing. And and uh, the market is definitely still alive here in Seattle. We're very fortunate. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, there are definitely buyers out there. Um, I will say just looking at like my searches with various clients and stuff, there are significantly fewer listings on the market, which makes sense. There's a huge increase in the amount of listings that were taken off market temporarily. So people who listed their house in February and then things blew up with the pandemic. A lot of them decided, you know what? Let's take my house off the market for now. First off, it might not sell. Uh, We might not be able to sell it depending on what the governor rules. Um, but also I want to protect my family or whatever it may be, you know, they have reasons, logical reasons. And so you see a lot of temporarily off market houses. Yeah. I know. I mean, talking with you guys every day at our meetings, uh, virtual meetings, of course, uh, there's some houses that you literally can't get an appointment for three days. The house is so busy, uh, which is crazy. I don't, in my 15 plus years i've never heard of that happening uh partly because we didn't have to always have appointments uh to see a house and you could overlap showings so that's probably the big reason why but also i've never had it where it was that busy at any specific house like that's just crazy so um there's definitely a lot of buyer interest out there still sellers if you're considering selling this is still not a bad time this is a good time um, there's still a lot of buyers out there. Uh, that said, there are some, some lending things that are on the horizon that might change who can qualify. Uh, and one of those has to do with credit score changes. Uh, anybody want to speak on that? I can speak to that. Uh, sure. I love this stuff. Credit score, just so you know, like, uh, we work, uh, we give home buying classes and a lot of times it's, uh, in- we have a lender on hand. Generally, it's Dan Keller at Cross Country. He's exceptional with his knowledge on really all things financing and even investments in general. And uh, he really exposed me to, I guess, what you could call the game of credit scores because mm-hmm. it is a game. If you <laughs> really sure. want to, if you want to get into this, you know, you can re- basically read the rules. Do this, and your credit will go. This will happen to your credit score. Do this, and you know. And uh, he, I bit that fruit and now I'm addicted to that game, (laughs) to say the least. So I love this stuff. Uh, But my my understanding of this is a little uh, weak, but what I understand it to be basically, every few years, FICO, we've probably all heard it. FICO is like an organization that manages credit scores, that, that creates them. Um, and each there's tons of different credit scores. If you buy a car, uh, the bank will use a different credit score versus, uh, if you buy a house. And the reason for that is the bank is looking for different things based off of what you're trying to get a loan for, right? So like buying a car, uh, might not require as long term of a vision as a house where the bank wants to make sure you have a really stable job, because if you default on this house, uh, it's a 
much larger financial burden for the bank than a car or something like that. So mm-hmm. each like FICO has multiple scoring systems and they're numbered. And the last one was FICO nine and it was released in 2014, I believe. So FICO 10 was released, I believe in January or February of this year. And they adjusted some of the calculation, like the algorithm in terms of how they calculate the score, like they always do. This time they're accounting for personal debt differently than they have in the past. In the past, if you had a, a credit card debt, credit card debt, not credit car debt, <laughs> credit card debt, and you uh, got a personal loan to pay that debt off, generally you would see your credit score go up. Um, there's been a huge rise in people doing that. And so the industry has to respond to that because it impacts um, their underwriting and all that stuff. And so FICO 10 takes that into account and will look up to, I believe the last two years to see if you pulled, a, if you create, got a loan and, you know, where that money went basically, like, was it used to pay off your debt? Well, you, you basically moved money from one hand to the other. You didn't really do much other than moving debt around. Yeah. You didn't eliminate the debt. You just Correct. replaced it with new debt that maybe was less expensive, but still debt nonetheless. So my whole spiel what this means to you as a consumer is if you look at your credit score, maybe you pull it once a year. Um, we're talking about FICO scores, by the way, not like there's credit, tons of different credit like scores, credit karma and stuff like that. That's not the same for like, that's not the same score as what they use for getting you uh, approved for a house. Correct. Uh, banks use FICO for that, for house mm-hmm. loans and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the FICO scores for every uh, news article is a little different here, but it looks like a, Roughly half of the country, their credit scores will go up and half of the country, their credit scores will go down slightly. And it could be, you know, five to 10 points. It shouldn't be a huge impact. It shouldn't make a huge impact on most people, knock on wood. Um, but yeah, you might see if you, you keep up with credit score, your credit score, you might see some slight changes based on if they're using FICO 9 or FICO 10 now. So yeah, and I've I've heard from Dan Keller at Cross Country, who we mentioned earlier. Um, some people might see like massive increases or decreases in their credit score, like forty to sixty point differences, uh, depending on on what the factors are that are being put into place. And um, some banks, uh, we're not totally clear on this because it's so pretty new in terms of credit scores. Uh, some banks are not implementing that that's this new score uh until this summer so um you might be able to get by with using your current credit score for the time being but once summer hits um that's when we've kind of heard that's going to be put into place and those changes are going to happen and um it, it might be better to do something sooner than later just because from what we have heard some rumors are it's going to impact more people uh, negatively than necessarily positively. So. Yeah, and it, it appears that the people who will be negatively impacted generally are the ones that are the people who already have bad credit scores. So it's uh, kind of difficult it. for them because, yeah. but, but it, I mean, the industry is always trying to respond to the market. You know, how much money is there and cons- mm-hmm. consumer debt? Where is consumer debt? So they understand their risk when they're giving loans and all that stuff. 
And if now all of a sudden tons of people have these um, personal loans to kind of shield from these credit card debts and stuff, the banks are saying now, well, it's to us, it's very similar, Yeah, you know, so. Yep. So I guess stay tuned. We'll, we'll get more info as it's released on this, but uh, just want to put that on your radar or something that might be happening here in the, in the future that could impact you. Um, let's talk about recessions because obviously the economy is going through some issues with coronavirus right now. Um, I just saw this morning that Amazon stocks at an all time high. Uh, so the Seattle area will probably be impacted nicely because of that, because there's a lot of Amazon employees, especially that buy houses. So, um, that's kind of interesting, but then there's other parts of the economy that aren't doing well, obviously. So, uh, in a recession, uh, and a lot of people, we've talked about this before and we talk about this in our class as well, but in a recession, what we're kind of all, especially if you're under 40 years old, uh, you're kind of all blinded by the last recession we had, which was due to housing. And that was in obviously 2008. Um, we're all kind of scarred by that because housing prices dropped dramatically. Uh, the thing to realize though, and we actually ran the numbers on this ourselves. And by we, I mean, Jason ran the numbers on this because <laughs> he's our resident data guy uh and and he when we saw this headline and i'll, I'll maybe i'll let you tell the story better jason because you're you're better at telling it you talk about it or speak to it at the class yeah well. so i have a whole spiel this. i have a whole yeah thing. it's like uh so yeah so a few months ago a lot of real estate agents i just we all started seeing all these um i think it was christian that first saw them but there are all these articles being shared by real estate agents about I think the I think the topic was um, the, or the title of the article was something like um, recessions don't impact home prices, mm-hmm. and yeah, I see this and I'm like, what? What? That's yeah, ridiculous. exactly. Like, come on, you know, you're, you are gaslighting or something. Like, what mm-hmm. is happening here? Um, and so I looked into it, and the, the first thing I see is that the study was uh, funded by, I think it was Redfin or Zillow, I believe. So that was a great sign, but it wasn't <laughs> it was, manipulated. Exactly. It was, um, it was, uh, yeah, it yeah. was definitely, we thought it was definitely manipulated and not a very good headline, not accurate. Exactly. So I pulled the data. So the gist of the articles that were being widely Pushed. dispersed, yeah, yeah. Um, was basically, look, you might think that a recessions impact home prices, but looking back in history, they generally don't. And I just, again, I felt like that was clearly false. So I pulled the data and in a nutshell, to put it simply, it seems pretty accurate. So if you look on the last five national recessions, um, this goes back to like 1980, we've had about five national recessions since then, not counting the current one. Um two out of the five saw home prices decrease at the end of that recession. Okay. Three out of the five by the time the recession was over, which most recessions only last six months to a year, generally knock on wood. Um, yeah. Home prices have rebounded. Um, the two that they didn't rebound, one was after the cold war uh, in 1991. There's a slight national recession after that. GDP was down 1.4%. Home prices were down 1.9%. Uh, 
um, after the end of that, but they recovered very quickly, like within that year in 1991, they recovered. The other one was obviously the, what you were saying, Christian, the, yeah. the great recession, the, the one that scarred us all. Yep. And this one was a huge, uh, recession in terms of home prices. It really impacted it. GDP was down 5.1%, but home prices were down almost 14%. And it took a long time. Um, and we've discussed this at length on this podcast. Some areas have still yet to recover from it. It took a long time for a lot of areas to recover. Seattle was very uh, good as yeah. compared to the we've, national average. We've definitely recovered and yeah. often doubled, if not more. And so then the question is, okay, well, that's kind of shocking. So uh, recession, home prices generally don't decrease by the time the recession's over. They've, they've rebounded. Um, so where do I get the idea that that's not the case? And most likely what people are thinking is, first of all, while home prices might not decrease, money does tighten during recessions. Mm-hmm. So it might be, and it will be harder to buy or sell a house. Money's tight. People, yep. it's harder to get a loan generally. A lot of times it's people are, it's harder to buy a house. Um, jobs are up in the air, that sort of thing. And also while home prices might not decrease so much, they definitely stagnate generally during recessions. Um, home prices are not as elastic as most people think. People have to own a house. They have to live somewhere and either a landlord owns it or the, the occupant owns it one or the other, right? Generally speaking. And, uh, and so they're slightly less elastic um, than something like consumer goods um, or like stuff like cars where you see wide swings based on recessions. Yeah. So I guess the basic, the gist of that was out of the last five recessions, only two of those have been impacted by housing or housing has only been impacted by two of those. One of those was a small impact, 1.9%, and it, it rebounded within a year. The other was 2008. Uh, and that was caused by housing. Yeah. So it was just, it was because it was so simple. The rules to get a mortgage were basically non-existent. I mean, they're just stupid. Yep. And that it, recession, that is the only recession in U.S. history that was caused by housing. Every other recession has been caused by something else, a war yep. or uh, a, an embargo or something of, something you like know, that. that sort of thing. Yeah. So... Do we expect housing to be impacted by the current coronavirus pandemic? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. We don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we know that it is, and it has been, hard to get a loan. It's definitely not easy to get a loan. Um, you have to go through a lot of hoops. You have to verify every dollar uh, I mean, it's it's not easy necessarily to get a uh, a mortgage, and it hasn't been. And banks right now even are tightening up their credit standards. Uh, I saw an article yesterday saying that Chase Bank, who obviously is one of the big ones, um, they are requiring a lot of like their 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 credit standards to get a, a mortgage are super tight right now um, because they just want to protect uh, their themselves, which. Again, in 2008, that was it was non-existent. They were lending left and right. So, um, so I think banks are taking 
notice they don't want to have what happened in 2008 to happen again. Um, it's still hard and it's getting harder to get a home loan. You actually have to be able to afford it, which is good uh, in terms of not seeing another housing crisis. So uh, I think long-term we're not going to be seeing another 2008 again. I don't think we're going to see, at least in the Seattle market, we're not going to see some dramatic drop in home prices um, at least with what's going on currently. Uh, if things continue for years, then I think that's going to impact the whole entire world. And that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But- yeah. The way, the way I'm, I'm advising my clients is, you know, some clients of mine now's not a good time to buy because their jobs are up in the air. Mm-hmm. Their stability is weakened. The clients of mine who have stable jobs and have uh, money saved up and know what they want and, their stability there with their long-term planning and that sort of thing now might be a great time to buy yeah. um, because there's all, there's definitely an opportunity out there. That said, there are a lot of houses on the market and you look at the showing time, like we were saying before, where you, you the schedule the appointment yeah. and they are booked for, like solid, even past yep. the point where they're reviewing offers. Yep. And so it's like, well, there's no chance of them even seeing this house. So but other houses are sitting for weeks or yeah. being taken off the market. So, And again, it all boils down to what we say all the time. If it's priced right, if it's in a good location, and it looks good online, it's, it's probably going to sell. And it's going to exactly. sell rather quickly. But if you overprice or it doesn't look great online or the house has some major issues uh, and you didn't price that in, that's when they're going to sit. So... Um, let us know. I mean, I think that's all for today. Anybody else have anything they want to they want to add? No, you guys did a great job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like the beginning was all you was Sarah Kate. It was and ladies Charlotte and the, gentlemen. The half. Yeah, exactly. We just took turns. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that's all we got. Let us know what we can do to help you. We obviously we can do pretty much anything virtually. Right we're now. here. Uh, I'm not virtual. Yes. Charlotte's not virtual. We're we're out <laughs> in the wild. <laughs> well, those two are are definitely seeing homes and stuff. But I mean, if you want to have a consultation um, or just talk about what options are out there, uh, we are obviously here to help, and we can do that. Um, I've heard of some people actually signing their like closing documents at parks, like on a park bench because they have to meet a mobile notary, meaning someone that has to actually meet them in person since there's not a lot of coffee shops or restaurants that we can go into Watch anymore. Out, you might and, get a fine. Yeah, Watch I out. know, depending on if the park's <laughs> closed or not. So yeah, let us know what we can do to help you if you are someone that does not want to leave your house but you still want to look at houses we can definitely accommodate that we can do virtual tours where we'll walk through the house and facetime or zoom call you or whatever we need to do um and as we have always done we are never going to talk you into buying a house but we will often talk you out of buying a house that's that's always been our jam so uh if we see red flags we will note those we will tell you about those And, um, and we will, you know, again, we're not going to talk you into buying something. So if you're not there in person, we're going to point out all the, all the potential issues and red flags. So, um, don't be worried that you're going to be sold because that's not anything we have ever done. That's not how you get repeat and referral business. And we all four believe that this is a long-term, uh, relationship with you. So we're never going to screw you over. 
we want you to do the right thing. So yep. speaking of like a good example is just over this last week, I've had four past clients reach out out of the blue and say, Hey, we're ready to either sell our current place and move up to our next house or, Hey, I'm thinking of potentially selling this investment property I've had for years and years. Um, what do you want to do? Or what do you, th- what do you recommend right now? And again, you don't, it's, I'm just, I'm saying this to show you that you don't get those types of calls from people out of the blue. If you've screwed them over when they bought and we're never going to do that to you. So um, just throwing that out there on that note, uh, please stay safe. Do your best to cover your face, cover your cough. Don't sneeze on people. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, you four, uh, for, for joining on the podcast. Right on. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye.